following radio is pure fiction and for entertainment purposes only. From the minds of the James Bond. These guys again. From the minds of the James Bond complex comes a tongue in cheek fictional documentary about the making of a Bond film that doesn't exist. Any similarities with the real life people associated with the official Eon franchise are, let's say, usually coincidental. This is all in good fun because the people involved love James Bond's movies. It's a mockumentary, so like, take a chill pill, man. Okay, peace out. Drama. Oh, action. Oh, sex appeal. Oh, yes, you may think that those are the typical ingredients of a James Bond adventure. They also happen to be key qualities of the making of a James Bond movie. Welcome to the making of Bon Voyage, the latest, greatest, and biggest Bond film extravaganza. The production of every Bond film is beset with its share of challenges, and Bomb Voyage is no exception. Things can get quite explosive at times. Let's start by seeing what happens on set during filming. This is going to be awesome. Come on, let's go with the camera. I'm going as fast as I can. This camera is heavy. How much are you paying me again? A lot. Mm-hmm. How much is a lot? A lot of experience. Obviously. All right, all right. Quiet, everybody. Stop the wind machine. And... Action. Oh, James, it's a miracle we made it out alive. Never fear, darling. Not with the wind in our sails. Speaking of which, it's getting a bit fresh out here, isn't it? Quite right. I think it's time these two spies came in from the cold. Ooh! Oh my gosh! Are you okay? I think I switched the bloody machine off! You have got to be kidding me. What the... Alright, people. Let's... let's just take five. Mr. Bond, go put some ice on that noggin, please. What else is going to go wrong? So are things, my dear boy. Oh, uh, <laughs> swimmingly. Our bond is getting a first-hand experience in pain. I suppose that's good for playing the role? I can read through hogwash, kid. Always producing films while you were still- I, I know, I know, I know. This is a Bond film. 
It's big. It's a challenge. It's a, a big challenge. You don't say. Look, this shoot has gone through hell and back several times already. I don't mean the team giving up now in our darkest hour. That's a bit dramatic. After all, this is my film. It's my money. Right now, I'm just trying to put all the pieces together. We have a lot of footage. Why not shoot for the edit? Keep it simple. Uh, I don't know about that. We're almost done with production anyways. It's a matter of making the puzzle whole. We'll fix it in the edit. I'm sorry, fix it in the edit? Listen, kid. Screenwriting, fancy pants special effects, and filming are all fine and dandy. But movies are made in the editing bay. Sounds a little risky, no? Remember the last Bond film? That ending, the one that chucked everybody. That was all done in the edit. Even the Bond actor didn't know how the scene was going to play out. No way. I swear it, yes. The editing saved that movie. Trust me, we'll fix the son of a gun in the edit. I'll never light another cigar again. Hello there listeners and welcome to the James Bond Complex podcast, the show where we discuss, rejoice and analyze with a finely toothed comb the entire James Bond phenomena from Fleming to films and everything in between. Ooh. Hey. I'm hey, hey gay, hey boy. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Edgar. I'm also one of the hosts. My name's Matt. With two T's, uh, good, apparently. Good, good uh, with Matt, 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 two, two, two T's, titties, titties, titties. Good morning to you, uh, Matthew, Mr. O'Clair. Good morning, Monsieur. We have a returning guest with us today. It's not the morning for him. It's early afternoon, I reckon. Uh, but we're more than happy to rise and shine on a Sunday morning with uh, some tea or coffee. Uh, we have Simon Drake with us who uh, discussed uh, Dr. No, Ian Fleming's Dr. No last summer. Simon, good day and welcome back to the James Bond Complex. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to, to return. Uh, the, the editor has returned. The filmmaker has returned. And, you know, our listeners were introduced to your Bond knowledge and your astute commentary for a novel. But now we're going to switch gears very different we're, we're we're sort of in your playground and to extent in your playground as well matt yeah. but, we're, but we're, we're in your playground right now we're talking about film and filmmaking and specifically the film editing process so this week's episode is really a discussion about the technique the evolution of editing throughout the bond franchise we'll be talking about some of the names of course uh, i can i can i can sense you're salivating uh, simon about about getting into this but let's maybe set the stage a little bit as, because of us three, I'm the one with the least amount of experience. I, I literally began to learn how to edit literally one year ago. So I'm sort of the newbie here. So I'll be, I'll be picking your brains probably a little bit throughout this episode. For you guys, as film fans and as filmmakers, to an, to an extent at least, 
Um, Very small extent. <laughs> still, you've done more than me, a lot more than me, and, and you've edited with technology that I'm never going to touch. <laughs> that um, doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Um, what, what is good editing for you guys? Like Simon, as a filmmaker, when you go see a movie, what do you, what do you like in editing? Well, edit, editing's a really strange animal. Uh, it, much like good acting, it's almost good when it's totally invisible and you don't notice it at all, and it's just part of the the story mm-hmm. that's being that's being told. Often, often it's it's more apparent when it's it feels really jarring and feels really really wrong. And I suppose editing, I mean, by its very nature, it's, it's putting images together in a particular way that is going to tell a particular story and with a sense of, of pace and structure and laying out information that's, that's clear and concise, but also isn't over the top. That's so um, kind of in your face really. Mm-hmm. And, and that's then satisfying and, and, and structure. And obviously that's a very, that's can be different things to different people. Some people could, find a long film not boring and some people could find a short film really boring and then that kind of thing so there's obviously it's all very interpretive as well but yeah I, I suppose for me it's it's about whether the information is being given clearly translating to what the story is trying to, to say in my interpretation of that and is it engaging me in some way and even if it's not an action scene or or, or what have you it still has a certain right. compelling uh uh, a series of compelling images that that convey a certain emotion and a certain piece, really. And, and yeah, and it's funny because it, yeah, it is that sense of of it, not noticing it when it's when it's working really successfully. Um, yeah, and I think the Bond films obviously were very uh, sort of uh, pioneering in terms of of what they contributed for the for action action adventure genre in the early 60s so yeah i suppose that's my my interpretation of of obviously good editing is is it, it successfully telling the story based on the images and the sound so matt as as editor number two i guess we'll baptize you as such on this episode what, what are your sentiments generally speaking as, as a film fan but also as an editor in some respects about about that uh technique uh you know what i've I, I was dabbling in in, in in filmmaking in the early 90s with my friends and video camera, and we didn't really have editing capacities at the time, and I think I didn't understand the notion, so it was really sloppy <laughs> filmmaking, if you can call it. It's making films with your your buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I entered college and we got, I had my first uh, crack at a uh, editing uh machine you know i fell in love it is it's kind of like being a magician um you you Mm -hmm. you you create the story sometimes you can have footage that you know you're going to make sense of and it doesn't really work but you got to make it work sometimes you know you realize you miss stuff when you were shooting so you have to recreate moments and it, it, it is a magic trick it is and it, it, it's it, you know good editing tells the story uh, kind of like what what Simon says it's invisible you don't notice it it's it it is not um, and I you know each cut is sacred and I, I always feel mm. that in your uh, you 
back in the day, back back in good old 1999, um, right. you know, we had constraints, either physical or technological constraints that, you know, you can't have, it, it takes time to cut something, whether it's on video or got film because mm -hmm. you know I, I also got on film not as much enough you know not not just video film itself not the, the mm -hmm. audio but i did cut on film with an old mm -hmm. uh, steinbeck back in the day uh, each cut is sacred and you know you have to think about it and i feel mm. it, it's part that it, this is something that i notice i always ask myself why did you cut to that what's the mm. when i think about editing you know i, I look I, I turn off the sound and I look just at how the movie is cutting. And if I can follow, follow, if you can follow like a good movie, you can watch without the song on. That's that's always been my theory. Right. If yeah, there, there there are films like I preparing for this uh, uh, episode. I I watch a few sequences of of a few Bond movies just to get a feel uh, on the editing, what the choices they made and what they mm -hmm. were trying to evoke. Uh, mostly, mostly tomorrow never dies because you know um, the, um, that's the one I was most. I, I, you know, we'll go through our discussion. And I'll you mm. it'll become evident why I was looking at that movie in particular. Uh, but you know, it's it, it, that's what I think about editing. You know, magic and and right. it's an invisible art almost. I, that's good yeah, I guess so. No, it's it, I mean you've both given quite astute uh I'm I'm merely the apprentice here, obviously, but interesting. It is a little bit like magic, uh, I guess in that sense, because you're shooting so much footage. You know, you always shoot more, I guess if you're if you know what you're doing, you you, you shoot more than what you need, and you're gonna cover several angles and it's in necessarily <laughs> some people shoot for the edits, that's like you. Like I, that's, I, that's something we'll probably discuss in this discuss in this discussion, but I'd be surprised, especially some of the films, the Bond film directors are former editors themselves, and I wonder how much mm -hmm. they shoot for the edit and how much they shoot just because they oh I want that interesting shot. That's uh, interesting. I think I might know who you're talking about, actually. Yeah, interesting. And and Simon, just very briefly, earlier you mentioned that it, it should go almost unnoticed. I, I, I feel film composers, score composers will frequently say the same thing. You shouldn't notice the music. It sort of should just be organic in the scene. And um, maybe my head, why it, my, my brain is wired differently because... I can watch a film for the first time and really notice the score, but in a good way. And I can watch a film for the first time, editing less so. I'm not going to say I notice every cut. Obviously not. If I'm invested in the story, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm paying attention to the story. I'm not paying attention to the edit. Um, but it does happen sometimes. But again, in a good sense where I'll go like, oh, that was a really interesting cut. I wasn't expecting that. Like, so it's, it's maybe it is a bit of a two-way street, not... Not equally. It's not a 50-50 where like, oh, yes, you, you know, I love noticing the edits. No, not necessarily. In fact, more often than not, sadly, as, as the film fan here, if I notice the edit, more often than not, it's for the wrong reasons. Um, so that, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> are, are there any things you guys expect? Because what is a Bond film? It's an action film. Sometimes they're comedic beats. There are obviously a lot of dialogue sequences. Are there certain things you guys expect out of, out of the editing with respect to different types of, of scenes, like an action scene, a comedy scene? I find comedy editing must be 
maybe the most difficult because it's like, well, it's not an explosion. The, the joke has to be funny. Like, how do you edit that? that? That must be quite interesting. Yeah, I suppose uh, comedy is, is probably the most determined about timing. And I guess editing is mm. all about timing. And a joke is either going to be funny or not. There's no real mm-hmm. middle ground. You can have a dramatic scene that's not that dramatic, but it's functional it it serves its purpose or an an action scene that's maybe not super exciting but it's sort of passable whereas a a joke's either gonna land or it's not and I suppose that's that's also interpretive of of, of what people find funny Mm -hmm. but yeah I suppose that must be really difficult in terms of of when to cut out of a joke or the timing of of if you leave it a bit too long it's just going to be really awkward if if Rog makes a, a quip and then it just lingers for ages. It's just going to be really awkward, or or you get sort of a, a comedy cutaway of something at the right at the right time. And uh, yeah, I suppose that's probably uh, more difficult in, in some ways. Um, I mean, I, I know obviously Bond, Bond films aren't comedies outright, but there is comedic elements. And and I think the um, sort of the well the well timed getting in and out of of those one liners probably. <clears throat> is is going to be hugely beneficial um yeah i suppose for me going into a, a bond film and what i expect from the editing i, I suppose it, it, it's about an audience's expectation or for me it's about the as an audience member my expectation of am i going to be engaged and excited and entertained for the duration of of the film and i suppose it's then does the film necessitate the length that it's that it's on um so yeah i suppose that's that's kind of my my barometer really of of am i engaged from start to finish really and are there sections that i think um getting a little bit bored or i'm not quite sure where mm. i'm where where it's going and I, and I suppose bond films are an interesting uh example of that because obviously they have action elements peppered throughout every i mean I, I know Cubby and Harry had their sort of structure of, okay, right. every 20 minutes you need this thing and you need an action beat every, and, and I suppose it's, it's so sometimes there is obviously a, an idea of you sort of sometimes watching something going, okay, this is insert action scene for B into, into this, this piece. But, but I suppose it, it's whether it then feels organic and part of part of the story really so um yeah and i guess it's also just there's just the clarity aspect of it it's it's is the, both the story clear but also is the is in this case the action clear mm. do i understand what what people are trying to do within the action scene and where they're trying to go uh, and what's happening i suppose at, at any one time and i'm sure there's some films that we might come to later where there's mm. probably <laughs> this that but um yeah and and, and it's whether it's exciting and and, and engaging and, and and that's again it's a very personal thing oh, um, sure. yeah that's kind of what i expect and obviously the bond films are the best the best people in the business and uh, i think mm. that also goes into play yes they are the, the editing. <laughs> they get the best stunt people the best direct you know the, it's the kind of um, some of the best people in the business and 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 so i suppose i have a certain expectation of the standard of editing um when i go and see something that's that's of that caliber when when, when do you cut to that double taking pigeon 
you need to find that right moment to cut to the double taking. Exactly. Otherwise, the joke just doesn't land. Exactly. It's it's just not good enough with the uh, Victor Chorjansky with his bottle of wine or the dog looking. You need that, <laughs> that third little piece of the puzzle. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's interesting. And that's obviously mm. some plan. That was obviously something that was created because mm. uh, it, it uses an editing manipulation of moving the pigeon, not as if they actually filmed the pigeon. You don't see. Doing a double take. I mean, if Spoilers. they could do that, I would be, I would be probably more impressed if they actually got a piece <laughs> legitimately do that. But um, well, what they, what you do is you take a little piece of cake and you just zigzag it side mm-hmm. to side to make the pigeon. That, yeah. I wonder if that actually would have worked. To, works for me know. with works for me with sweets <laughs> dangling chocolate in front of me. Hey, that's a John Glennism as well because I know he does some things like that with the edit. In a, on a majesty's where he flips the car upside down or the driver so it looked as if the driver mm. was upside down when the car flipped right. built in the edit i don't think that was kind of planned so i guess that's that's just those sort of do those edit manipulations after and the uh, what about you matt you're going into a bond movie are there certain expectations with respect to the editing depending uh, on the type of scenes we're talking about every like new bond films or every, every i want you to start with dr no uh, I want you to tell me how that gun barrel sequence is cut, and no, I, I think to, uh, expectations evol- evolve with with uh, the technology, the style. I mean, an, a movie shot and edited and you know produced in the 1960s is not going to feel the same. The acting, the the, the choices the actors make themselves mm. are different now. Some some of uh, the, the the overacting wouldn't be used. Uh, some of the editing sometimes it, it feels like a play more than like what we would call the hmm. modern movie. There's there's there you know there there, there are a lot of wide shots. The uh, the cutting is not as uh, superfluous because each cut requires somebody like cutting hmm. film and gluing back together. Hmm. There there so it's it's more performance based. But when you get into modern movies, you know it's a the cuts are coming quick and fast and cheap. <clears throat> uh, but if you're talking about James Bond films, the, the, what I what I want from the editing, you know, I want acceleration, deceleration, acceleration, deceleration. I want, you know, the moments of contemplation to breathe in. When I, you know, I see the Bond girl for the first time, I don't want to go throw that element when i see Eva green for the first time in that that gorgeous green dress i want to i don't want multiple cuts and no no i just let her walk in when albie comes out of the water same thing let her splurt slow take your time but you know when he's driving his car like okay i cut cut when he's fighting somebody cut as much as you want create uh, it's that sense of stimulation acceleration like over over excited my senses that's that's what mm-hmm. i want from a, a, a bond movie i want to the slow parts to take their time and the, the quick parts to, t- to to be quick but without you know they need to feel there, there's need to be mm-hmm. a cohesion you can't have a, a sequence that's well you can have it but you know yeah, we'll discuss it throughout the discussion. There's there are experiments in the Bond franchise uh, that, that they, yeah. they've made every once in a while. Not only editing, but choices they've made. Uh, speed ramps, anyone? Um, but yeah, you you can have that. It, it but it it, it it deters from 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 the film itself. You need uh, that. Mm-hmm. 
acceleration and deceleration, but to feel consistent. It, has, it needs to not be uh, like if you're a cardiogram, it, it, it can't go like more. Uh, All right. Uh, what's this called the the scale um, for 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 earthquakes? Uh, my my. Oh, the Richter scale. Yeah, you can't go a Richter scale out of boundary. It needs to be more like waves <laughs> than like somebody's having a heart attack. You know, you want people to like feel like they're having a heart attack, not actually cause an heart attack while watching a bomb movie. Uh, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do. So shall shall we begin with a little bit of uh, just a, a stroll? Through the years, through the decades, we can talk about some of the. I mean, the '60s is an interesting one because we have six movies, and two editors, and one of the editors directed the film. He didn't edit, but the guy who edited that movie edits more. <laughs> it's like there's a there's a there's a there's a fair amount of consistency, I would say, in 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 the '60s. Uh, Majesties being the outlier uh, for a few reasons, but we we will talk about that film's editing. Uh, and any any thoughts? Any any the spoilers it's peter hunt i mean it's like it's, it's, mm. this is the guy in 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 the 60s and it starts with with dr no so, so what uh, how do we want to start how do we want to get the ball how do you want to get the ball rolling? do you want to take simon? that one simon yeah okay interesting because yeah obviously as you mentioned peter hunt uh, and i i would probably say it's pretty groundbreaking editing um it's not some of the some of the choices he made um, weren't the first time those things were done. I mean, so for example, Dr. No, um, uh, I suppose what modern audiences can sometimes pick up on is, is say the jump cuts where he's pulling out mm. certain frames to make the, the image move faster or, or mm. the gunshot impacts look more um, intense. Uh, and again, I don't, I think those were things that were done in edit. I don't think they were planned, but those sort of jump cuts were have been have been used throughout history, but um, I was trying to think of of, but in relation to sort of the gunshot type action jump cuts that he does, I was trying to think of examples pre nineteen sixty two and and um, Psycho does does a few into uh, the classic shower scene is quite um, mm-hmm. jagged with its if you pardon the pun uh, it's quite sort of. Uh, mm jagged with its with its editing and there's there's some shots in that scene even before the the knife attack where it cuts to a sort of a, a mid shot of janet lee to sort of a slightly closer mid shot of janet lee. it's just like a really mm, odd right edit. this com- yeah uh, yeah and to dis- disconnected really and and um and jean-luc godard with breathless was doing quite a lot of that lot non-linear mm. editing in the early 60s and i think uh, but in, in terms of um the the times of that sort of someone getting shot and it sort of pulling out frames to make it have that have that real impact i think casablanca does it as well with peter laurie when he gets shot and um, peter laurie also played the first le chief uh on the uh, the tv show but um but yeah but the I, films and everything in between yeah exactly um <laughs> but yeah so in terms of um but i think that was kind of a style that was born more out of necessity than than terence young on the day was going oh I think they shot it and and as Matt was talking about some of it was quite stagey I think some of the some of the um early films were quite had that very 50s style early mm. 60s stagey feel and then obviously you want to pep up the 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 tension and the action so I think pulling out those those frames just to sort of move things along if you don't have cutaways um was a way of Peter Hunt 
creating that rhythm and that energy, which some people could say looks a bit corny and cheesy now, but I think it's all <laughs> contextual. I mean, it's it's kind of yeah, that, you, you need that to, was what it was done at the time, and um, mm. and something just to sort of um, kind of I suppose before we get really into the films, so I think the other thing that's important to note is almost for the first two two decades of the Bond films they weren't really meant to be seen more than once on the big screen, much like a theatre production. Mm. They were generally designed to see once on the big screen. So you sometimes had to make these slightly more broad choices, whether it's a double taking pigeon or whether it's a, this never happened to the other fella, those sort of things that we sort of analyze the heck out of now, but they were generally just something that you're in the cinema, some fairly broad stroke of something to sweep the story along. And before you really have the time to go, oh, was that a swanny whistle when the when the car did a 360 and then you've moved on to something else and you can't stop and you can't go back. Uh, uh, much like a theatre play, you, you watch something and if it, even if there was a weird part of, of a mm-hmm. play that you watched, it's kind of, oh, that was a bit weird. Oh, okay, but well, something else is happening now. Yeah. And, and yeah. you're less of a, I suppose in some respects, you're probably more of a passive audience member as opposed to the, active audience member you can't re-edit the film yourself until now we can (laughs) today um but i suppose so back then it it, having those sort of broader bolder sort of choices that were just little very small bits like pulling out frames probably wasn't analyzed quite quite as much um and so i think it was just a way of them creating the sweep of the whole film as opposed to these sort of i suppose individual individual components so so yeah, so so that's why I think in terms of just from a contextual point of view for those, say jump cuts or some of those sort of mm. weird, weird sort of well not weird but those choices that we may sort of look back on now. Um, so yeah, so but I, th- I think that was that was a really but, but on the flip side I think it really paid off in this in the case of Doctor No where Peter Hunt did then create that propulsion throughout the film mm. I think. Matt mentioned with this acceleration and deceleration, those sort of building up the pace and then slowing things down and building up and 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 using every editing trick in the book, really. So yeah, I, th- I think it's a it's a very groundbreaking sense of of um, the fact that again, just from a film history point of view, and getting back to Psycho, Psycho is famously the first film to show a flushing toilet, and that was 1960. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so, you know, then suddenly you've got this really technicolor film in 1962 with lots of sex, lots of violence, lots of glamour mm. and lots of that sort of kinetic <laughs> momentum, even if it's some of it was filmed quite stagey, it's kind of created that comic book moving things forward aesthetic. Um, so yeah, like Dr. No is... Dr. No is because it's not the first time I hear that that Dr. No still feels a little bit like a film from the 50s. Um, it is the first time I hear Dr. No being compared to theater, which I think is quite intriguing as, as a comparison. It's like the it's the it's the birth of that language that'll that'll follow through in the subsequent movies. Like it's not as uh, as 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 maybe audacious as some of the editing that will happen later, but just you know, to your earlier point, Simon, about not noticing the editing, the removal of the frame for a gunshot wound. Did I ever notice that? Maybe not, <laughs> but it's it's but it's effective. Like you know, something impactful 
literally and figuratively, you know, something impactful has, has just transpired in that fraction of a second. And it's, it's kind of disturbing when you watch it, it just, it's so mm. violent. You can't, you can't see it. You know, you feel <laughs> like, did I just see what I just saw? Yes, you did. She, that mm. woman got shot. It's subliminally, it, it works on a subliminal level, but at the same time, I feel like technology and modern audiences won't fall for that trick uh, and will notice it, but you have to, mm -hmm. well, we have to put your mind at, in the frame of time in the 19, early 1960s when people don't have uh, computers at home and then watch a movie yeah. once on a big screen and you know they they may never rewatch that same movie ever again today we we watch those movies again and again and you know yeah. frame and edited them so it it, it changed but there are things in doctor no that i appreciate like there are sequences the the, the spider sequence for example it it because mm. i think a spider mm. sequence is guided by the <laughs> The performance of of Sean Connery, which I heard he was uh, actually an arachnophobe in real life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true, but it, it, you know, he's sweating. Yeah, but it's, it's not his fault. The spider was poisonous. It's not. It's not. Sean oh Connery's yeah, it's fault. deadly, it's deadly. Uh, tarantula that you know, it's gonna kill you. But uh, I, I like that sequence. The sequence in the shaft when he's uh, sort of being burnt, and that's. Uh, Really well edited, and especially the sound in there. Like I, I, I don't think I will talk yeah. about sound editing that much because it's, it, it, it's really something which I'm not very good at, and I'm sort of embarrassing. It's also its own thing. I yeah. mean, that that really is worthy of its own conversation. It's something I'm even less well versed in than video editing. So not a good start. Broach <laughs> it every once in a while, but that's a that's definitely a, one of my favorite sequences in the book and the movie. It's not as exciting i feel but yeah uh it's a tense sequence but i feel like terence young is a bit all of his films are a little bit uh sort of old-timey he's very stagey and you know when the performance are uh, often feel flat in something some situations there's a there is a sequence when bond tells uh um what's your name uh i was gonna call her vesper but it's not dumb you know about her brother's dead on the beach and he puts his sunglasses on and it, it, like i i've listened to the commentary track and what he wanted but it cuts it, it when it's edited it just it feel, it doesn't feel i don't know it cuts weird the, the perf, sometimes also you you the editors are the choices they make are either story driven or driven by the performances sometimes mm. because an actor looks right mm. but you're gonna mm. cut to something else and use use motion like that's uh something right. I, uh, yeah there's a really cool one i we're getting ahead of ourselves but uh, speaking of moments where i noticed the edit this episode's gonna go insane but uh i love 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 the moment in no time to die when Bond, Felix, and uh, the Book of Mormon go to the bar, and we see Nomi is there, and she's walking from the left to the right, and the camera whoop, like tilts mm -hmm. to where Bond and, and Felix are, are playing their little game. I, I think that's such a cool, <laughs> such a cool little thing. But um, and and uh, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but. 
Speaking of, you mentioned, uh, Matt, you know, if a character turns his head such a way, will the camera do the same thing? When back to Thunderball, the, the sunglasses moment, when Bond uses the spear gun to, to uh, do away with uh, Vargas, um, what does he do? He dies. <laughs> um, Doesn't does the camera do something like that? Isn't there some sort of a quick cut almost in the same direction that the spear yeah. Is, is traversing in the air, unless I'm misremembering that, but I, I always thought that was pretty effective too. Uh, uh, but what are some of our, 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 our Peter Hunt like highlights throughout these, throughout these 60s uh, films? Because he did it. I mean, he did five of them for crying out loud. <laughs> he was pretty good at his job. Simon? Well, yeah, I mean, um, From Rush With Love is, is a good uh, case in point in terms of talking about editing, because uh, on the making of as well, they, they go into quite a lot of detail about the fact that from Russia with Love, certainly the first first act, the first 20, 30 minutes was was quite heavily re restructured and rebuilt in the edit. Mm. And um and, and Harry Saltzman famously had the idea to have the stalking in Pinewood Gardens come before the titles, which then set the template for the for the rest of the franchise. Um, but, but originally that was just going to come. It's going to be gun, much like Doctor No. It's going to be Gun Barrel, Matt Munro titles, um, or the Robert Brown John titles, um, and then and then Robert Shaw in the Pinewood Gardens, and then so that, so they swapped that around, and then Bond was um, going to come into the film earlier, and then they restructured it so they had more of the Rosa Klebb parts, and then it, and then that scene on the boat with Rosa Klebb, they didn't have enough coverage again talk about this as staging of, uh, of shots. And I think they only had a shot of Rosa Klebb walking from right to left, but they needed her to be near the fish tank. So they yes. actually first reversed the footage and then duplicated it. And then, and again, yeah. it's all these that you can kind of build, build in the edit. As Matt mentioned, all these tricks, tricks in the, in the toolbox really, where it's sort of, uh, because also all, all that is really important at the end of the day, irrespective of the footage that you've got is what's what's able to be presented to an audience so even mm -hmm. if you're using all of these tricks in in the book and oh we've only got one shot of uh, Lottie Lenya sat down okay well how do we then make that two shots because we don't have two shots but we have to somehow make it two shots and and then you can use all sorts of those those you know, flip the image so it looks like she's looking from left to right when you don't have the mm -hmm. Footage and you know all of these things, and, and they go into quite a lot of detail about the fact that you can then create that and then use that to tell a slightly different story where they have to re reorder sequences and things. So I think I think that's a that film that whole film I think is a real testament to to as much Peter Hunt's editing as it is Terence Young's direction. I do I like Terence Young as a director. I think there is a style and a glamour that he brings, but I think sometimes there is a dare I say a little bit of a sloppiness of of but in, in fairness, those films were obviously made much quicker. Yeah, I mean, they made those yeah, first kidding. three films a year apart. So obviously, there was also a bit of a just kind of churn it, churn it out. But and, and then I don't know, maybe poor old Peter Hunt was kind of oh, I'm gonna I need, I need to now make this work. <laughs> yeah, well, was now. that not was that not truly the case? I feel it's on one of the two Thunderball audio commentaries. Was that not truly the case on Thunderball where Terrence Young was busy working after the shoot, the principal photography, Terrence Young had to dedicate himself to another project and Peter Hunt 
the end result of what we the fans see as Thunderbond the movie like maybe even more so than Dr. No from Russia with Love that's kind of a Peter Hunt film well this is a good place to talk about some of the elements of post-production Terrence Young was on a very busy production schedule after he finished up Thunderball he went immediately into pre-production on a film for the United Nations called Danger Grows Wild mm. um, uh, uh, so he was not available very much during the editing part of this not available at all. He never saw a completed copy of the film, uh, in my presence anyway. Um, must have been much later than that. He was, uh, he was off doing that film in the south of France because he needed a break and he simply said, uh, there you are, dear boy, get on with it. And uh, I finished it and dubbed it and did everything and delivered it. Interesting. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. But I know that that was then the point that he wanted to step away from uh, Peter Hunt. I know wanted to then step away from the editing, and he was because he I think wanted to direct You Only Live Twice, and then had stepped away from the editing, and then they brought him back to edit edit that film. But mm -hmm. he I think then was quite adamant that he wanted to direct, and obviously he then went on to to direct Majesties. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's that is quite possible and. Um, um, yeah, and maybe that sort of had some sort of, yeah, came into play with, with if, say, Terence Young wasn't around, where Peter Hunt was given more and more responsibility for each subsequent film, where he's sort of almost, not to say he's salvaging the films, because I think those the, the directors, Terence Young or Guy Hamilton, were obviously doing great work as well, but I think he was mm -hmm. maybe having more responsibility in terms of his input. Um, into those films. So, yeah, that's, that's quite possible. I've not, I've not heard that story, but, yeah, that's, that sounds... I, I, I think because there are two tracks on that disc or that digital copy, whatever you're using, I think it's on the second one because John Cork, it's basically an interview between... It's a conversation between John Cork and, and Peter Hunt throughout the movie, and he mentions it at some point. You know, again, these things are recorded decades after the fact. So when Peter Hunt in the 90s or the early aughts says, oh, yeah, I... Terence Young wasn't there. It's like, really? Like he just wasn't there? Like who God knows. But for him to say something like that it might mean that Terence Young was a little bit busy on another project and wasn't behind Peter Hunt like every day in the editing editing oh. room, which I, I had no idea about. Um, also, it, the, the, there's, there are second unit directors. He might be busy with the actors, but he he's filming something, like somebody pick up picking up a piece of paper or I don't know. Mm something with the 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 other the, the, the less uh, supporting characters let's say um he's filming uh, scenes with the villains whatever it might be something like that um who knows it's been decades since uh, I, so I wonder if the uh, in terms of of what directors did say in that in that period um where it was almost a bit of a sense of i i, I suppose unlike say a quote unquote auteur director nowadays or where they're kind of in control of everything and they, mm -hmm. they're in the edit and all of those things. I, I also wonder from a sort of you the film union where the director kind of gets all the, all the material on the set and then largely then just sort of hands it over to an editor and sort of, okay, you're the editor, you then work with the producers mm -hmm. and kind of create that, that mm -hmm. part of the story. Uh, I, I, again, not to say that Terence Young was sort of, not involved in the post-production but i do also wonder at that period of history 
uh, with those types of films and those types of directors, whether it was a bit of a, you're the guy on the set that gets what we need. In no, you get pretty pictures. Yeah. From, from the pretty people. <laughs> in inter- no, but it's, it's a well-shot film. To, to its credit, the, the composition of all the, the Terrence Young, like I don't want to poo-poo on Terrence Young as a, as a director. I think he films beautiful gorgeous locations and mm. everything every shot is you know could be framed uh but i i, I don't think he he was I, i i don't feel he's much involved in the uh editing like he doesn't have a background in video editing either so i i think that that, that the impression you have is you know probably true probably didn't was not that involved in post-production. It's like, huh, they finished the film for me. And then he shows up at the premiere and smiles. I have more But, money to make elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and well, obviously Cubby, Cubby and Harry are then going to have their own interpretations mm. in terms of the post side of, post-production side of things. And things get dubbed. I mean, obviously, the majority of the non-Sean Connery mm. actors in the first four or five are all predominantly dubbed. So there's obviously all of those things that come into play as well, where they, they get lots of post-production changes that, that get incorporated. Um, and I can't imagine Terence Young was there every day with Nicky van der Sill going through the ADR. I think he was <laughs> so, yeah, but I, yeah. So I, I think it is a, yeah, it's probably just a different style of editing. It's almost a, almost TV style. You're almost a TV director where you create the material and then you're off on the next project and the editors then put it together. Hmm. I mean, interesting. Interesting. I'm not, no start I'm not shooting. familiar enough with TV from those oh. decades. Sorry, uh, Matt. I was just saying I'm not familiar enough with TV. I, I'd have to watch more TV shows from that era to make that comparison. But, but even, even now, mind. I suppose, even now, in even terms today, they'll sort of be less involved in the edit, I suppose. Hmm. Uh, but again, this is all just speculation on my part. I, I don't know, but yeah. it, it does, that's what it feels as if it's this. Interesting. Interesting. Journeyman director that they, they they come to a show and he's like, what type of show is that? Is it a comedy? Is it a horror? Is it action? Okay, let's film. Mm-hmm. And when they're done, somebody cuts and another one, right. another director comes the next week and edits uh, the show uh, each time. And I was going to say something about Dr. No, but I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I That's my bad, though. I sorry. Um, to try and remember yeah. something about Dr. No and editing. Well, well this might refresh your, your, your memory. You know, let's, let's stick with Peter Hunt just for at least a few more minutes. You know, since he worked as an editor, he worked with um, Terence Young. He worked with Guy Hamilton on Goldfinger, uh, he, he, uh, Louis Gilbert on uh, You Only Live Twice. So he's worked with three different directors, albeit in the same decade and albeit in barely a five-year span. Do you guys notice anything Different, same same editor, different director, but almost. Uh, are there any particularities uh, per director that you guys notice? Uh, even though it's still Peter Hunt uh, editing, or does it feel kind of seamless from one director to the next? Um, uh, Simon, Simon. I think so. So going backwards from from Lewis Lewis Gilbert's first first effort with uh, You Live Twice. Um, yeah, I mean. For me, almost you only live twice. Nothing that massively springs to mind in terms of really wacky editing. In terms of of it's actually all pretty well put together. There's, mm. but I think that's that's a byproduct of the way Terrence uh, of the way Lewis Gilbert shoots, where there's not 
is, is he's he's very good at his big epic wide shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with with Thunderball and then you know, Live Twice, they changed the aspect ratio, so it's um, shooting in in full widescreen as opposed to the first three. Um, so you get slightly broader canvas, but mm-hmm. uh, but also I think Lewis Gilbert's style is is more I suppose cl- classic in terms of these big wide shots and. It does yeah. almost feel as if that film has a slightly slower pace of, of editing um, and, and the film has a bit more of a sweeping feel, mm-hmm. whereas the film before it, Thunderball, Terence Young, again, it's got some of those slightly more kinetic sequences and obviously there's much more sort of reprojection with the boat at the end and some of the sort of slightly more... Now you could look at being slightly more corny, but uh, I think there is a bit more of a, of a, of a propulsion. Um, so yeah, so I, I suppose, I, I yeah, that's interesting. I've, the the three uh, Terence Young, Peter Hunt edits do seem slightly different to me than the than the sort of um, the Guy Hamilton um, Goldfinger. The, the edit of that seems quite smooth and quite quite seamless. Um, so yeah, so I do wonder if it's just Terence Young has a certain style of the, the type mm. of material he then gives to Peter Hunt. Um, not to say it's better or worse, but it's just very different. And then Peter Hunt's got probably more malleability with it, whereas it seems as if Lewis Gilbert kind of gave him fairly big sweeping stuff that didn't need as much right. in the edit, maybe. Mm-hmm. Just my Hard to resist when you're filming in, in Tokyo and, and, and the Japanese countryside. Uh, I wonder if that, and more speculation, but you're sort of just out there in the, on, on the tranquil outskirts of Tokyo, like great school where they're training and it's like yeah we don't need to edit the crap out of this just let it let it breathe it's so beautiful especially in 1967 where not that many people outside of japan have seen those things um, yeah it's more it's got more of a meditative feel to that film uh, in terms of even even the action doesn't seem quite as chaotic and, and intense it's sort of a little bit more has a slower pace but also and again it's totally speculation but the fact that 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 was more of a troubled shoot and Sean Connery wasn't mm. really happy. So I also wonder if maybe there was a bit of a sense of they had a bit <laughs> less material to work with possibly. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't, with the, the crowds and and mm. the limitations of, of Connery going, I'm not acting if Harry Saltzman's on the set. And, and so I also wonder if there was a bit more of a, it just had less material to work with as well. So it just kind of better get it all in camera of just these big epic shots. And then it, it, it then... <laughs> then that just became the edit became more i'm not gonna say easy but maybe more straightforward because it was already mm. sort of there whereas i think terence young sometimes it feels as if we've got to kind of make this work a bit more um in in post interesting interesting uh, matt any 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 favorite peter hunt moments as per director any any distinguishing features per director what, what are your sentiments uh, about, peter uh, you know peter hunt oeuvre yeah, the, uh, uh, one sequence. You know, speaking of Yon, Leon, Leon Le twice is the uh, the the poisoning uh, of, uh, of of uh, Suki and how it builds tension with just a drop of water that well, liquid, we'll say, poison that drops on a string and cuts to the guy sort of the scaffolding, the two actors sleeping and it cuts back and forth and creates suspense in the last minute, like Aki, I was going to say Suki, I don't know who Suki is, uh, but she, she, she moves know. in. 
<laughs> takes the drop of poison in, in, in yeah. her mouth and uh, yeah. collapses. That's a tense. That was like, a good Aki, by the way, Matt. That was a good Aki. Thank you. I've worked. I've been working on that one. Um, that, that that's a good sequence. I feel like that Peter on. Uh, uh, if you compare the the is is. is uh, it feels more confident in the only twice if like there's a lot mm. of inserts there's all there's a lot of it feels from memory and how i feel about it, there's a lot more cuts more and also it, it, i feel like louis gilbert is as a director is less it's a bit more modern than than than, than uh young ones young is very you know, staging and it's very level you know with Gilbert, there's more shots. Mm. It's a bit more dining. There's that that shot from a helicopter when Bond and and, and Aki are running on the rooftop. It's, that's that's a shot mm-hmm. that everyone everyone loves. Yeah. It, it, you know, he wore. I think he worked better with Gilbert than any other mm. di- director. I honestly feel like for, for from an editing standpoint, I I feel the editing in *Young Love* is a little bit more. Uh, modern it, that movie mm. i know i've seen really young and i didn't feel uh the age when i first saw it it's you know the, 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 I, mm. I, it just it just cuts beautifully yeah yeah it's interesting I, I i so so you think peter hunt's best work was with uh, lewis interesting that's uh i'm not talking I, about I, the I, movie I, if you only no, think about yeah. editing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all the, the, the you know the action flow and the sequence move along it's it, it, it's it's a more modern more confident job than you know dr duck noise is very you know it, it, peter Earth was pushing things back in the 60s you know he's an he's an innovator but i, I don't think he has at the same country i think him and lewis gilbert they're they're, they're you know they might not i don't know if they like each other but it feels they match the 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 the, 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 the they were on step together like they're making the same movie well terence young is making a movie from in antiquated 1950 style, I feel like Lewis Gilbert and, and Peter Hunt are mo- making a movie from and for audiences in mm. 1960s. But it's you know I feel. Oh, it's it's that's a really interesting comment. Uh, I like that. It's juicy stuff. It's juicy stuff. I was actually going to go with Goldfinger just for how rat tat tat that whole that whole film is, uh, especially its first half. Uh, I think it, it just. Whisks, I'm gonna say something like controversial brings. about uh, Guy Hamilton as a director and uh, the editing. I, you know, I having rewatched that movie on a big screen, there are things I notice about that movie that I feel like it, there, there are sequences and things that were fixed in post by Peter Ron. There are things I'm like, oh my god, they, they he, 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 like he probably didn't like. There, there are shots that he zooms in on the negative of the film that are quite noticeable when you sit on a big screen and just like okay you probably did that to fix the film uh yeah you know the guy i was like i i don't i i I know he's frankly a sweet sweet guy but sometimes i feel i feel like he's he's a bit sloppy as a director sometimes i feel like he he he's not the most careful i'll say sometimes he gets good shots but he doesn't have everything that he needs to tell the story, and the poor Shmoy has to make that the movie work after that, as his work got out for him. 
just I don't want to be too controversial. I know, like, the, I'm, the... I'm with Matt actually. Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to rag on Guy Hamilton or anything. And um, but yeah, I, 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 I think I would, I would agree. There's there is aspects where, yeah, we had to zoom in to show that somebody was setting a bomb at Fort Knox and it's really grainy or, or, yeah. or whole sections of Diamonds Are Forever, which I, I know that was more of a budget thing, but there's whole sections that just scenes just end and it's kind of as, as Blofeld got mm-hmm. away and it's little mm-hmm. boat, what, what's going on and, and just uh, yeah and uh, and Man with the Golden Gun has some kind of oh some god don't no, no, no. transitions but um, so yeah so I, uh, I, I, I sort of agree but also I, I've got kind of a, a different perspective on because obviously Goldfinger's held hailed as the gold standard of Bond films but I didn't see that until my late teens so I never really mm-hmm. sort of saw what the big fuss was until I, I and then I watched it and so it didn't have the same I suppose I don't have the same reverence for that for that film and I find again from an editing point of view and from a um, Bond is quite passive as a as a sort of agent he's generally captured and and, yeah. and actually there's an interesting point actually I was just suddenly thought of it in terms of Goldfinger. And again, I'm hey, I'm no Peter Hunt. It's not my place to say what he should have, what he should have done with the edit. But again, just as an editing punchline that we, we were talking about before with with the jokes, where you've got the whole section of Mister Mister Solo, Mister Solo, that and he mm-hmm. uh, he kind of gets into the gets into the car, and then obviously you've got a whole protracted bit where he drives past KFC, and then you see mm-hmm. the car getting crushed, and then it comes back, and then Goldfinger says, "Extract my gold from blah blah blah." And and again, as a, as a, you could have done a, a comedy, almost a jump cut where you've got um, you see Mr. Solo driving off, and then you have some sort of transition. You got Bond sat there drinking his mint tulip, and then it just the car just comes back as a as a block, <laughs> and then you hear Goldfinger saying, "Extract the gold from." So you don't see the outcome, but the joke. Mm. So again, mm. that's, that's and I'm not saying one's better than the other, but it's just an in, that's just an example of mm-hmm. editing that could have done something different in terms of the punchline you don't see the crushing of the car and so it almost comes back as a hard cut joke of the audience fills in the the blanks of mm-hmm. oh he's been crushed in the car um so yeah i suppose that's just by chopping out a different section speaking of th- stuff that's antiquated that's something you know the, the crushing of the car why are we sh- you know that they they we stay on that <laughs> side character for so long it's an entire sequence and i'm like why are we seeing that like uh, and it's probably because in the 1960s seeing a car being crushed was really cool uh yeah in 2022 is not so much but that's no. probably why no. it's just like i th- i think from from a plot perspective you know to play devil's advocate because i i agree it's probably the weakest uh, sequence in the film um bond does put his little tracker doesn't he put it in mr solo's pocket or yeah. something like that so it's sort of like well we're let's find out how old man felix and uh, the other dude uh, eating the McChickens are, um, are are going to get off the trail. They'll be sent off off the trail. But it's okay. I understand in the plot why this is happening as an as an audience member. Do I need to see this? No. You could do a jump cut with the car returns as a block. I like that. That's good. But, so what yeah. So I guess so. That's just a sort of uh, and just to remind him actually because when you're talking about. Uh, you only live twice editing, and I, and again, I, I agree with Matt. I think it's actually a very strong 
strong edited pieces of piece of work but also there's scenes in that which arguably they don't propel the, the narrative particularly but I'm still happy that they're in there which I think is a, is a good testament to quality editing because for example the whole I mean it, it again with these weird transitions where you've got Aki's just been poisoned and then it hard cuts to Connery the next day doing some karate with his mate and he's kind of smiling and happy and sort of so so in terms of the sort of continuity character continuity yeah, no, no 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 comical no, no, no. way sort of there's no mention of her whatsoever but then you've got it's just connery being connery. that's not connery yeah exactly um but but then you've got the scene you've got the the wedding scene with kissy suzuki and, and that whole yeah. section no real i mean other than him pretending to be an armor fisherman rather implausibly but um mm. but there's no real narrative reason for him to get married to have this whole marriage ceremony they could have just had him go pretend to be his his uh wife mm. his husband and then he goes off and he's got his big floppy hat on and konnichiwa you know and all of that stuff um and but you've still got this marriage ceremony section you've got that beautiful music and it and it and, and even though I, i'm watching it going this has no story function really mm-hmm. i'm enjoying the, the pace of it the the, the atmosphere and the mm-hmm. and, and as we were talking about before the acceleration and deceleration it's actually just a moment to to breathe and to pause mm-hmm. and just soak into the to the world building of of the films and 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 i've often complained some of the more recent films they don't really settle in a place particularly so you don't mm-hmm. really get much of that sense of, of place because they're sort of jumping to the next uh country really and, and actually quite like the fact that that even though it has no it, it's the same with the the uh this is the most tangential link between back to the future and the only it's twice you're probably going to hear but the whole johnny b good sequence of back to the future that was famously nearly cut out of the film because it has no narrative thrust marty mcfly has suddenly been mm. reinvigorated because he's because his parents have kissed and then the, the studio and spielberg are all going you just need to get him into the DeLorean now. You, you can't have three and a half minutes of him playing Johnny B. Good on stage. And Robert Zemeckis, the director, was saying, it's just a fun little beat. It doesn't need to be in there. And it was one of, the, so again, it's one of those things where narratively it serves no real function other than him, him inventing rock and roll and playing on the stage that he didn't at the beginning of the film. So there's some sort of time, but it doesn't really have any, it's the kind of thing that you could easily have cut out of the film, mm-hmm. but it still feels part of the fabric of the film. So again, so again, that's from an editing point of view, it's not, it's, as much knowing what to keep from from the flow and from a character and and an, an audience enjoyment aspect it's not just all about we've got to push the story forward forward yeah. forward but obviously some films you need that you, I'm gonna, you know what i'm going to disagree with you you with, with uh, mr spielberg because it does uh, evolve this uh, it's complete timeline we can cut this but it you know marty mcfly at the beginning of the movie wants to play i think the prom dance and it's denied to him in 1985 but in uh, 1955 he, he gets to do that so it involves this character like he, he gets uh uh you know his objective like yeah right. the character objective is is achieved in in some way so i disagree with with mr speaker you were wrong sir yeah, you know about making of the movies. movie. You know nothing about filmmaking, sir. But yeah, so what I guess that's heck? the thing: is it's the balance of 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 pacing the whole the narrative, as in the story, but also mm. yeah, like you say, the character arcs and the beats, yeah. and, and but also just having a bit of a fun moment. I mean, yeah, it doesn't make yeah, you could argue either way in terms of it doesn't push the story forward, but it's a fun moment just to stop 
and also before you get to the final action scene and then i guess bond films have similar things where you've got these action mm-hmm. scenes that don't really serve a fully fully mm-hmm. serve a function but it's kind of oh it's just an action beat that's that i'm enjoying well something uh, although I, I appreciate the back to the future comparison perhaps a more uh, a, a pr- apropos analogy because it's still within the bond universe is the the, the night at the gypsy camp and from us with love like Okay, so we find out that Krilenku's behind it. You could have just done something in 10 seconds to show us that, but we spend 10 minutes in a gypsy camp. We see a fight. We see a dance. We see Connery laughing because this this woman, is, is her dancing is so fantabulous uh, that I think the actor, I don't think James Bond is laughing when I think that's Connery laughing, chuckling. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun sequence. It's one of my favorite sequences in that film. It doesn't have to be there, but... The gypsies are a thing. They are hanging, hanging out and about around Istanbul. You know, there's Karim Bey. No, like it's, it's, it works enough. So keep it in, and and it, you breathe a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that again, that's, that's a really good example of of ed, an editor and of, and to some extent a director as well, having those sort of decisions about what what it's not just about cutting a scene as, as in the editing of the scene itself but it's about what you remove from the film to, to mm-hmm. improve it and what what is actually going to not improve it and sometimes i'm sure we've got examples of, of some scenes in in movies and particularly bond films where if they just took the whole scene out it probably would have <laughs> maybe improved the, the, the flow of the film altogether but, but it's yeah and, and i guess that's that's always never quite yeah, it's hard to hard to know until you've sort of stepped back from it and had that had that distance. And yeah, and again, from Rush with Love is a really good example of of the editing of of that whole film. And I think that's probably my fa- one of my favourite pieces of Peter Hunt editing. I, I think I'm in agreement with Matt in terms of mm-hmm. Lilith Twice. I think it's very strong editing for across the whole film. But I really like from Russia with Love editing, and obviously you've got the whole train fight with Red Grant, and you've got the whole paranoia everyone's watching everybody else and there's always cutaways from red grant spying and it, it, it creates that that paranoia and that tension throughout throughout the film mm. really effectively so i think that's a very strong piece of editing mm. um, his film but yeah i think overall you only live twice is probably the most consistent overall Ah, great. Are, are there any, are any other peter peter huntisms that we'd like to mind you we're not we're not really going to leave Peter Hunt entirely because he does direct. Uh, I, th- I think we can film, leap but... into Majesties actually. Majesties, confidence. So, I, I I like your confidence. I you're, let's build up some of that confidence uh, this morning. So, Majesty's Secret Service. I mean, I'm not exactly sure where to begin with this one. It's sort of you have a guy who directed five. Excuse me, who edited five of the films, who now gets to direct his one film, and we have the editor on this one who will not only edit two more films in about a decade from now, but direct five of them in two decades from now. And the style is, and I sort of want to, for Majesties, I almost feel like leaving the floor mostly to you, Simon, and you, Matt, since you're the editors, but stylistically, this one's just, in the best sense possible, this one's just completely off the wall, I find. This is just batshit crazy editing bond. Yeah, I I think this is probably the biggest leap from maybe, uh, I mean, Dr. No, obviously it didn't have anything before it. It was just kind of set its own stage in terms of the editing style. But I think Majesties is probably the the biggest editorial jump up. And, and like you say, Edgar, it almost, 
goes a bit off off the chain in a in a really good way, or certainly in a very I, I think in a very modern way as well. Mm-hmm. I think it, it has. You could probably look look at that film that's what fifty three years old now or something um and you can still see those influences to to films today i think it's it's very groundbreaking in terms of the non-linear jump cuts for the action and 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 i know we're not really talking about sound design but the way it incorporates the sound design into the editing in a way that wasn't really done in the first in the in the previous films um yeah and again i mean the jump jump cutting in that it's really crazy, but that it feels more in, in, intended than say Dr. No, which felt a little bit more created by necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's interesting because often art is born out of restraint and almost born out of limitations. And I, and I wonder because of, you've got Lazenby, an inexperienced actor, and depending on whose story you believe, he maybe didn't get as much direction on on the set with him and Peter Hunt and all of these things. And so I do also wonder if a lot of these sort of hard edits and some of the more kinetic elements were built around the fact that he, they had to sort of work around his <laughs> acting. Um, and I think he does a solid job. I mean, I, I think he's often a bit of the punchline of, of I, I think some scenes he's, he's absolutely spot on and some scenes maybe he's a little bit more wooden, but mm-hmm. um but even in terms of some of the talking about the sort of continuity of the editing in a film, if someone's looking left and then it hard mm. cuts to that character looking right, it, it, it's quite jarring. But in Majesties, I think it almost plays up to that where they maybe didn't have as much footage of Lazenby. So they sort of almost had to create that slightly more, yeah, almost non-linear fragmented, the fact that, the opening scene in particular, the, he starts fighting Terence Mountain by a mm-hmm. boat, and then the, the next cut, they're in flat, splashing into the sea, which is about twenty meters away, thirty meters away. So this this kind of really compressed <laughs> time, and and, um, and yeah, and I think very very innovative. And, um, as I was saying earlier, though, see John Luke Goddard and people like that were doing that type of editing, but certainly not on a big budget action adventure movie to quite that extent. Um, yeah, and I think it stacks up really well, and I think you can even look at it now in the fact that the film is longer than than the other ones, but up to that point, but it still has a has a propulsion. I do think it lags a little bit in the middle when he goes on a bit of a shagging spree. Um, <laughs> oh, he spreads his seeds. Because I love all the stuff with him and Diana Rigg, and then there is a little bit of a a lull in the middle where. She, basically she's slightly out of the picture and, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but then it sort of really wraps up again but that, that's that's the sort of light and shade aspect i suppose we were talking about where it has these slower moments um yeah it's still a very yeah very innovative very kinetic film um and quite unlike john because uh, john, john glenn edited that one and i think it was as much peter hunt steering that style of editing because it's quite different to the other two edited John Glenn films in terms of mm-hmm. it seems if that's his signature style and certainly in terms of the way he mm. directed his later films but in terms of the way editing of of the, the two ones he did in the 70s uh so so I think that is still a Peter Huntism that he's sort of almost gone right this is what we want to do and kind of steering steering that so yeah I I think it's it's probably the biggest leap up for me in terms of the style I'd be interested to see what you two think about I'm dying to know what Matthew uh, has to say about uh, John Glenn and Peter Hunt teaming up 
to edit the shit out of this movie. First off, I'm going to say that it's a tragedy that Kidurant never directed another Bond film because, you know, filmmaking wise, uh, you know, he he started pushing towards more modern techniques, more modern, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, strategy for editing and the filmmaking here, like the the shot composition, like puts it's an entirely new level, but I'm fairly certain that he shoots for the edits. I'm, Fairly certain that I don't know if he storyboarded his sequence, but you know he, he shots he, he's shooting things from somebody who's worked in a dark editing room for a long, long time, and he's been struggling with stuff that other people shot, and he's probably going, "Oh, why the hell did he shoot that? Why didn't he <laughs> shoot that? Um, when I make my movie, I'm gonna shoot stuff this mm. way the sequence mm. and you know there, there are choices that he makes especially like the the, the introduction you know the, there's sort of stuff that doesn't you know location wise when he oh, suddenly they're in the water uh okay it doesn't necessarily work but you don't you know i, I people say that but i've never it never bothered me like i i, I don't really notice it that you know, they're 20 feet from the water. It just, mm. it, it, the mm. way it cuts it, to me, it, it feel, almost feels like, oh, they just, you don't see every frame, but it, you know, you, you interpreting this as the magic of editing. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. need to watch, it's kind of like comic books. You don't need you know, comics. You, 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 you mm. imagine what happens between one panel and another panel. And it's sort of the same thing sometimes between edits. You have to imagine what happened. So you don't see mm-hmm. everything. It's sort of kinetic. It is, you know, in a kind of way, it, it is the quantum of solace of its time. It's really, but I, I don't feel like quantum is, is as successful as, but it's really trying to do something a little bit more modern. And I, poor John Glenn probably was like, uh, yeah, I just, there's only one way you can cut this. Um, so uh, we're, 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 me- we're, we're making peace movie. Uh, uh, it cuts fine. I, I don't feel like Peter Hunt come uh, really. Uh, I'm, 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 I, you know, I, I knew he, he shot. Didn't, didn't he shoot second unit on that too? I think he's more like a, initially was more a second unit. Like he really likes filming action sequences from, from, yeah. from, from some of the interviews and stuff that leaked. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's it's you know I don't know which which was he I I, I feel like he shot the bobsleigh. Am I wrong in saying that? And that's mm. a good sequence. So if he shot that, edited that, it's you know as a conclusion, it's very you know he had the invasion of Blofeld's compound, the fight that shot when Lazanis slides on his belly, and then you cut into that the the lab when he. As these throwing grenade and being oh, thrown yeah. acid in his face, and he escapes <laughs> and he puts the gear on and sh- 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 the Savalas tries to explode him and they fight and they get their heads smashed against the the, the ice. Oh, the ice! Oh, it's it's, it's, it's a sequence that flows the action, but like I said, there there's a lull in the middle of that movie when he's betting those women but that's also part of the book you, you, you mm-hmm. if you're doing an adaptation you can't uh, you know speaking of, you know I, I don't know if you can say that it's editing wise or is it 
effects, but that's you know there's a dissolve in the mo- in that movie where, where he's having a flashback and he sort of that that's a, I, I don't know if it's a choice of the director or the editor when at the, near the end of the movie when it cuts to him ex- escaping from this Gloria with with uh, Tracy and she gets on captured. the window yeah on the window mm-hmm. I don't know if it's an editing choice or a, a filmmaker choice but that's you know it's the first a, sort of a flashback within a bond film and sort of a composition because you've, you've seen rear projection we've seen compositing but it's mostly in the edit the the, the pre-title sequence that's i think that's the first i might be mistaken but uh you know there, there are it's the, the 60s was crazy for for uh <laughs> playing with film um you know we, we haven't talked about technology but they're all editing those movies on like those old reels and i've done mm-hmm. like if you, on our pre-recording i did mention that i did I, in college we had an old steinbeck machine like that and it's it is one of my, the joys of my life that i've had the opportunity because today you can't find these they they they, they, they the mm-hmm. schools have gotten rid of them and i i they're not made anymore so as far as i know is if they are they're, they're little very limited number nobody nobody edits on that uh but there's just a tactile feel to editing film and i want to think about those guys in those dark rooms smoking their cigarettes and say, oh, let's got this and got the, the, the tediousness of working like that it, you kind of it's hard to, that's why every cut is this sacred thing and they have to work with the confines of the technology they have it, it is such a nightmare what they have to do and today you know uh, no back in my day editing was very complicated mm. but not today those damn kids i don't i don't, don't mm. want to go that but there's you know I, I, there's something to be said about the res- respecting your cuts that today mm. modern filmmakers don't necessarily have especially the younger ones or films, kids on YouTube that make short films, they, 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 they God, man, the, the, when I, when I think of what I've made, when you make a mistake, especially when it's video, the nightmare that it is to have, you're like, oh God, I have to redo everything. I have to mm-hmm. go back and redo everything. Non-linear editing is, un- linear editing, sorry, I always confuse the linear editing is a nightmare. Uh, compared to non-linear, it's just like how oh, these guys, what they had to do was, was uh, almost like mad, the mad scientists in their last with mm. smoking their cigarettes. <laughs> so smoky film, you know, those, all those film noir with the rooms of film. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I think. The editors well, were. <laughs> when, when I think about film editing, that's the image I have. Uh, now, I, I think it's uh, Morris Bino that, you know, I think he died from lung cancer and he was, he was uh, kind of upset. Like, those guys in those rooms always smoking. That's how I got my cancer. God damn it. That's what yeah, I think yeah, about yeah. It's, uh, you know, Majesties is an interesting one. It's, it's funny, Matt, you um, alluded it to uh, Quantum of Solace, um, although, you know, Quantum of Solace is, has, has its some of issues. Um, I almost feel, I'll make another modern analogy. Uh, and, it's, and it's a director way back when we did our, bond, our fictitious Bond 26s. I think I think if Edgar Wright in his, in, is in his primes in 1969, I think he makes Majesty's Secret Service. It just feels like 
that style in 1969. Weird that sounds, such a bizarre, and... un, unexpected comment. And that now you put it it's, in it's... my mind. Yeah, the, cut, the John when he's, yeah, you, 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 uh, on his you, way you, you, to uh, the, when when they're taking him to uh, see. Um... And I don't think you get Edgar Wright without mo a movie like On a Majesty's Secret Service. I think it's Maybe probably not. part of his uh, of his vocabulary as a filmmaker, but not necessarily, oh, but just that movie. But it it it's probably left an impact because it's he does have that way of editing that when you just mentioning it, yeah, it's very it's very Edgar Wrightish. Or Edgar Wright is very Peter Huntish. Yeah, that's right, Peter Hunt, John Glennish, Peter Huntish. Uh, yeah, it's it's there's 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 um there's a kineticism to the editing uh, in the action sequences uh, predominantly. Uh, like just when they take um, he's trying he's leaving the hotel in Portugal at the start of the film, and they take him by gunpoint, and they they take him off to see um like Gabriele Fersetti. Why can't I remember the character's name? <laughs> But they go off to see him, and just before Dracos. he enters the room, Draco, thank you very much. That's embarrassing. Leave it in. Um, just before the, he sees Draco, you know, he kicks the crap out of them, and there's this great shot where there's like a, a jump, I was about to say a jump cut, a jump kick almost like to the camera, and there's that sound. It just feels like, yeah, if Edgar Wright is alive and a filmmaker in 69, he's he's making that. He's, he's doing that. Um, anyways, just... Uh, Funny little, funny little thought on a Sunday morning. Um, any other particularities about uh, Majesties uh, that that uh, that strike us? I mean, we could do an episode on the editing of Majesties, and it would be a two-parter on it onto itself. I think. Yeah, so so groundbreaking, but also what I think is is a real testament to to Majesties in particular. I mean, because um, as as was mentioned, the Bond films do have second second unit filming stunts and sequences and but for me everything feels really organic in terms of how peter hunt because you've got willie bogner doing his ski <laughs> sequences and you've got i think john jordan doing all that aerial photography one of my favorite shots uh, uh, this is more cinematography than editing but you've got that epic wide shot with all the skiers on the on the ridge just after uh lazenby and diana rigger skiing and then you see all uh, Blofeld's goons and you suddenly see them all on the ridge and you sort of slowly reveal them one by one almost as uh, and I, I suspect Christopher Nolan as a little kid was watching that guy <laughs> make a note of that for future but that's cool that's, mom yeah um but that's that would have been all footage shot by Willie Bogner or John Jordan or Pete or mm. John Glenn I think did some of the mm. second action sequences as well and it, but it still all feels as if it could have been directed uh, by Peter Hunt. And, and it, so it has a sort of a, a consistency. So the second unit doesn't feel completely anachronistic to the style of the rest of the film, uh, which I think some of the other films, other films in the series and other film franchises where it feels as if the drama and the action scenes have a, such a different visual style in terms of the way they're edited. Oh, Marvel and, films. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, JJ Abrams as well, um, yeah. and um, and again, I'm not I'm not dogging on those films, but you've got it's very noticeable where the second and the first unit joins are for me. Um, whereas I think some directors, Martin Campbell, for example, I think is very good at incorporating the same style between the mm -hmm. two sequences, and um, 
so yeah, so I think that's something that, that again is a real testament to sort of the editing of compiling those different, essentially different filmmakers into the same film, um, ski sequences and drama yeah. sequences, and Tracy and Bond in a barn having the proposal scene all still feels if they're the same, have the same organic source, even though they're shot maybe by different people. And so I think that's, again, is a real testament to, to I, I suppose, a director overseeing everything, but also the editor pulling the same styles together. Yeah, it, but that's, I'm glad that that last little bit you, you mentioned, Simon, I, I appreciate that inclusion uh, of that comment because I, I, that's what was mulling in my mind as we're talking about majesties, yes, John Glenn shot some second unit and, and was the editor on it. And and we'll talk about him a lot more uh, shortly, but for a film to feel and move and look and be cut the way majesties is, there needs to be a vision. And I think it's, it's, I'm not saying Peter Hunt was necessarily a dictator on set or in the editing room, but Everybody, very smart people, Bogner, Glenn, Hunt, who's overseeing everything, they have to come together. They have to agree that Honored Majesty's Secret Service is going to look and move and feel like this. Uh, so it's the idea of collaboration, the collaborative effort, with presumably Hunt having final say on a lot of things. He's in the director's chair. I would hope he did. But still, it's, it's, there's a vision in Majesties, which there might not be all the time in the Marvel movies. There might not be always in a J.J. Abrams, especially the Mar as much as I find the Marvel movies, uh, a lot of them quite entertaining, I'll be honest. Yeah, stylistically, and as you, they're a little discombobulated sometimes. Yeah, um, just think about Black Widow. That's a, that's a Frankenstein oh, yeah. most. Well, there's a detour about that one already. Yeah. Listeners can go back to our Black Widow uh, episode. But yeah, that, that's a horrifying example of... Uh, this director has this vision. They're interested in this type of story and the movie's doing none of it. Huh? Uh, but uh, anyways, a anything else about majesties? We need to get to the seventies at some point. Like you say, you could, we could talk about majesties in of itself for, for two hours. We could speak about Majesties for two hours. We could, but we shan't. No, no, this has gone on just about long enough, and there are several films, for that matter, several decades still to come. Obviously, a subject that is encouraging us to talk quite a bit. We couldn't quite help ourselves. Uh, this week. So we're going to split this up into a few parts. Part two will come up shortly, not necessarily next week. I think we'll try to mix it up in the release schedule just so we don't bore certain listeners to death, especially listeners who maybe don't find the topic of film editing uh, to tickle their fancy all that much. So Rest easy, we do get through the entire franchise. We, we, we do go all the way to No Time to Die, trust us. Uh, but uh, they will, uh, those parts will be released over the course of several weeks. Uh, so we're going to cut it right now. Please make sure to follow the James Bond Complex everywhere online. Uh, www.thejamesbondcomplex.com 
uh, Facebook, search for the James Bond Complex on Twitter, at the Bond Complex. There's Instagram, at the James Bond Complex. Anchor.fm hosts us. If you want to listen to us, there's Spotify, Google Podcasts, and my best buds, uh, Apple Podcasts. Search for the James Bond Complex, subscribe, write a review, and by all means, we strongly urge you to leave a five-star glowing golden gun review. So on that note, just as James Bond always returns, so too with James Bond Complex, so shall we with the editing of Bond Part 2 in the not-too-distant future. Sur ce, toujours un plaisir, et à la prochaine, see you next time. Ciao belli, hasta la proxima, da un joy bagat samnida, gamsa hamnida, paka.